So I just wanted to run a quick soundbite here for you. We learned today in the city of Phoenix, if you've ever traveled to Phoenix, I know a lot of Canadians do head down to Arizona. Well, today we learned that when you order an Uber at the Phoenix airport, uh, Uber will pick you up just like Vancouver. The only difference is there will be no driver. Yes, they announce autonomous vehicle Ubers for Phoenix airport. Take a listen to uh, Phoenix Mayor uh, Kate Gallego today. We are the first airport in the world where you can take an autonomous vehicle, and now we'll be the first community in the world where you can hail it with your Uber app. This is the culmination of years of testing. I can tell you for years, we've stepped outside of City Hall and seen Waymo testing in our community, mapping, getting ready for announcements like the one that we have made today. I have been in a Waymo, and you can see every car on its computer interface, every pedestrian, that's much more than I can see as an individual mm. driver. So I think this is a great win for uh, technology and innovation, but uh, also long-term safer community. Uh, that's a hard pass for me at this moment. <laughs> I want them to test that out a little bit more. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I just wonder if the uh, the autonomous vehicle Uber asked for a tip at the end of it. Uh, who knows? But let's, let's catch up with our good friend, uh, Jeremy Kato. He's an automotive journalist at CatoCarGuy.com. I want to talk to him a little bit about EVs today. Uh, Jeremy, would you take the autonomous vehicle Uber at the Phoenix airport? Uh, only if I knew who I could sue when it gets into a crash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, maybe the city of Phoenix has deep pockets. Maybe Waymo does. Uh, but I want to know who's responsible. If there's no driver, then I'm going to go after somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's a little too soon, kind of like artificial intelligence. But I want to talk to you on the show today about a couple of news stories that uh, sort of I've been looking at sure. over the last week or so. ExxonMobil, uh, which of course is the Texas oil giant uh, known for drilling for oil, processing oil, selling oil through its mobile um, gas station chain, uh, announced recently that uh, they have purchased purchased uh, a significant amount of property, 120,000 gross acres in the Smackover Formation in southern Arkansas. Uh, they pur- purchased a company, Galvanic Energy. Uh, the price tag was about $100 million, but they're going to be, uh, I guess, drilling for lithium. What are your thoughts on all this? Um, well, I, I think that uh, I'd be wary of oil companies buying up uh, anything that could prove to be a potential negative for their own businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's number one. Car companies, I mean, have uh, been notorious over the last hundred years of buying up technology and then shelving it um, in order to keep that from entering the marketplace. So that, that's, that's my first thought. The second thought is that um, lithium is is one of the many components that goes into batteries that's really important. Um, and the U.S. is way behind on developing its, its, developing its own battery uh, supply chain, um, behind even Canada, Denmark, and Sweden, so, and certainly way behind China. So these, these, this is a development that doesn't surprise me. Um, but there's a lot. I think there's more questions than answers at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, one of the other things that we also uh, uh, were reading about this week uh, was that the Ford uh, Motor Company has also uh, uh, been signing uh, deals with uh, uh, critical uh, mineral uh, suppliers uh, to essentially, I guess, uh, first of all, a uh, guarantee a steady supply of some of these critical minerals, particularly lithium. Uh, but they say that this will allow them to uh, build up to 2 million electric vehicles by 2026. Uh, how uh, important is this type of announcement? Uh, uh, d- critical, uh, because 
you know, the auto industry is under enormous pressure to, to bring to, to really go to all electric vehicle production for new vehicles by somewhere around 2035-ish, depending on your jurisdiction. Um, in these announcements, though, Jazz, I've looked at the same ones that you have. Mm-hmm. What I'm looking for, which I do not see, are the provisions to keep or even make the EV supply chain clean. I mean, the EV supply chain is notoriously ugly and carbon intensive. And if you're just a regular consumer who's going to live anywhere near any of these uh, elements, especially the mines, you got to be wondering, um, how am I being protected from these kinds of negative elements? So, for example, Indonesia is the largest producer of, of uh, nickel, which is another key component. Mm-hmm. Well, nickel, Indonesia generates about 20 tons of carbon dioxide per ton of nickel. Uh, I mean, th- those, these are huge amounts. So we need to think about the protections for the average person on the street near the elements of the supply chain, the mines included, of course. Mm-hmm. What was interesting, uh, I, I guess there's a, a two-day event uh, being held in Michigan this week to convince in, uh, investors that, you know, with, these, with this lithium deal and many other uh, deals in regards to critical minerals that uh, uh, Ford says that uh, they're planning for a 16-fold increase in EV production in the span of just a few years. Now, if I'm looking to buy an EV, uh, should I hold <laughs> off for the next couple of years in regards to just, you know, everybody talks about Tesla and all that, but in regards to wanting choice, in regards to a variety of price points, is it better to wait another year or two before jumping into the EV market at this particular point? Without question. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about it because you just can't buy an affordable EV yet. Um, I, I'm this week, as a matter of fact, testing a Kia Nero EV, which is one of the most affordable uh, that you can buy on the market today. And the fully loaded Nero EV that I'm driving, which is a, just a compact hatchback, very nice little car, mm-hmm. but its price is $54,000. Now it's eligible for about seven grand. Uh, minus the excise taxes uh, in, in, in uh, incentives, but we're still talking mid 40s to buy a city runabout. So if if I were to go going looking for a car today, given that fuel prices are high, and I think there's still some lack of clarity in where the whole EV thing is going, I'd look for a hybrid. Um, you can get you know four liters per 100 kilometers of uh, of, of uh, fuel economy out of a typical Prius or. Or Kia hybrid, mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty darn efficient. And you don't have to worry about gas tanks or fill-ups or um, um, electrical fill-ups or any or mines or the lithium supply chain or any of those other things. And you're and you're going to get low emissions with it as well. So you cut your fuel bill, bill in half, cut your emissions by about two thirds to three quarters. And let's wait and see until mm-hmm. the prices come down. The next three or four years, seem from what I can tell uh, as a layperson, it seems to be there's going to be a lot of challenges but changes as well if ford can do what they say in regards to a 16-fold increase in regards to production if there are a variety of of uh, of models that are going to be made available uh if there's greater clarity in regards to charging stations across this province this city this country um we could be at a, at a sort of a tipping point potentially oh for sure for i, I mean I, I think that the evs are coming uh, in uh, for a whole bunch of reasons if no other if none other, that the Americans are going to throw about $800 billion, uh, the Biden administration, at various uh, clean energy technologies over the, you know, within the next decade, and that's going to be a great catalyst. But we still don't have a decent charging infrastructure. We still don't have answers to how uh, consumers and 
apartment dwellers and homeowners are, are going to be able to afford electric vehicles. And we really don't have any answers um, around the questions that I asked when I ran for political office last fall, Jazz, which is why don't we spend more money on transit? Um, you know, if we had high, high-speed rail connections between, for example, Toronto, uh, Ottawa, and Montreal, that would cost around $12 billion. Uh, and you take a ton of cars and planes off the roads and out of the skies. And that $12 billion is about $2 billion less than taxpayers in Ontario and across Canada are spending to subsidize a battery plant in Ontario. Maybe wow. we need to rethink those elements uh, as well if we really want to reduce uh, emissions. Jeremy, thanks for your time today. Okay. <laughs> I hope that was the answer you that wanted. That was. Well, I'd say there's, lots, there's a lot of questions, so I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much.